Dreams are not impossible. You just got to find a way to make it within reach, you know? Because again, don't worry about how high somebody else is reaching. If you want to climb that high, you got to bring it down to your level. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Wade, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Good. How's uh how's things so far on uh, your side this week? Um, things are great. Um, I'm not in Chicago right now. I'm actually visiting my in-laws in Kentucky. So, you know, I've been having a good time so far. Nice. Are you a wrestling fan and a part-time wrestler? Or you just like wrestling but don't watch it? Uh, I like it. I don't watch it. But I did train for it. I was pursuing a management role. But then, you know, I kind of decided to kind of take another route with it. Because, um... Really, what got me into it was I wanted to make a wrestling a wrestling documentary, and so I reached out to a guy by the name of Steve Boss, who's very well known in Chicago. Uh, he's wrestled for various promotions and stuff. He, you know, had a run with WWE, I think, when it was called WWF back then. But yeah, I met him, and I was telling him that I was interested in making the documentary. But because I wrestled in high school, he was like, "When well, you gonna start training?" And I'm like, "Well, I guess I'll start next week." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good segue into our main point of our conversation. The main reason that you want to come on this podcast is to share your message about breaking barriers and you can do more than one thing. So before we dive into that, uh, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about your background in regards to your main career currently, and then we can explore the other things that you've done outside of that. Sure. So again, Wade Simmons, born and raised in Chicago. I've been working in the funeral business for 13 years. I started in high school. It was one of my, you know, major things that I wanted to do. So I pursued it. Took me a little while to, you know, kind of get going as far as getting licensed. But it's been a bit of a journey. But yeah, I've been doing that for 13 years. And that, and like doing that type of work, like is, I don't know, like I, I feel like it, it teaches you to kind of live more with purpose, you know. Did you did you go to college or yeah yeah, you, yeah okay so you went to college I, I don't know many college kids or even when I was in college that says um, oh when I graduate I want to work in the funeral business like how did you get into the funeral business like what made you interested about that I don't know but I I think you know it was always something that I wanted to do I remember when I was like in seventh grade I went to school on the west side of Chicago and I, I would talk a lot about like you know mortuary science thing like that and I remember a young man by the name of Terrence Mathis he was like what you want to be a funeral director or something? I'm like, you know what? That's what I want to do. So when I went to high school, my senior year, I volunteered and started working at a funeral home, which is the funeral home I still currently work for. And I went and, you know, I saw that it was something that I wanted to do. So I, you know, took me a bit of a while to like, you know, get in school for it because like, you know, every state is different, but like in Illinois, you got to do your prereqs first. So I went to college, hit a few road bumps and stuff like that. But eventually I, I made it to mortuary school. It was tough, man. Oh man. I like a lot of people think you just go to school or you just become a funeral director or whatever. But I mean, you got to learn anatomy, you got to learn chemistry. Uh, hey, a little bit of accounting. It's a, it's a lot to learn. Like it's, it's, it's more detailed than what people think. Man, it was rough. <laughs> what do you exactly do in a funeral home? Like we talked offline, and you're a mortician. Uh, so what is that for people who don't know? So a mortician or a funeral director and embalmer. That is someone who handles all the affairs 
and doing the process of death. So basically what we do is, you know, a family would come in, sit down, make arrangements, you know, tell us what their loved one like, what they want. And we would pretty much provide their service. So what we would do is if they want like a funeral service, then of course the body would need to be embalmed. If they want a memorial service, the body may not have to be embalmed if they don't want it. You know, some people do like direct cremations and things of that. You know, the business is really changing a little bit, but yeah, so pretty much handling the affairs of, you know, just kind of walking the family through the process of final expense and just kind of just pretty much a ceremony, you know. All of it is really just a service, you know. So dead people have never freaked you out at all? Not at all. It, 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 I've never looked at it like I, I've always just looked at it as that like it's a job. It's a career now. Some people, you know, consider it as a ministry. I would just say that to me, it's a job, but I feel that it's a job that you have to care about. I mean, because when you're working in that type of business, you got to you want to have a good attitude and you want to help people. Because like some of the funeral directors I know, like I know some people that do a full time, but a lot of the morticians I know, I know two that are lawyers. I know one that's a chemist. I know one that's an accountant. I know one that's a pilot. Um, a lot of them that I know, you know, they have, you know, more than one job because like I say, when you're in that business, you may have to help a few families out. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 a money making industry, but sometimes people don't have it. So if they don't have it, it's like you can't you, you have to have other means to, you know, provide them with what they need. You got to have a heart, too, because, I mean, it is a business, but I mean, you still want to, you know, do the best you can to help people. So you said you've been in the funeral business for 13 years. What are some of the uh, re regrets that people have shared with you uh, in terms of like the person who passed away? Like, is there some things that they could have done different uh, before they passed away? Like, what are some of the common things uh, that you've uh, experienced when they share their story with you? I think a lot of times, sometimes people who maybe said that maybe like, you know, they should have been there at the last moment or, you know, somebody had an event one week and somebody didn't show up. And, you know, I mean, I've I've heard of things of that nature happen. Just kind of more regrets about like what could have been done, you know. My, my thing is like, you know, with things like that, it's like, you know, enjoy and cherish and thank God for the moments we had because we never know. So, you know, it's I just think it's an important thing just to spread love and show love to people, man. That way you won't have any regrets, you know? The saying goes, uh, people regret more of what they didn't do than what they did. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, I think that, like, you know, being in that profession, a lot of people have did it for a long time. Because, you know, that's not a business that a lot of people go into. I mean, I think now people are more open to it. But I think it takes more than just looking at, like, the income. Like, you know, you got to look at the outcome. Because to me... Again, you may deal with a family that just don't have it. And I mean, if they don't have it, because this is the thing to me, it's a service. So you can't go, you know, trying to drain money out of people's pockets or trying to force them to get something they want. Like if you get a family and they say, well, look, I don't want no service. We just want a direct cremation. You know, maybe we'll have a service or whatever. Okay, fine. You don't tell them what they want. They tell you what they want. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, you have to be there for them because a, a lot of times, you know, people look at it like, you know, man, it's a, it's a money making industry, things like that. But, you know, you got to think about it like, yeah, but to be honest with you, like working in that field, it makes you really look at life a lot differently, more realistic. Like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, where you work. It can happen to anybody. You know, I mean, we don't come in to stay, of course, but, you know, you. You want to live as long as God allow you to and, you know, have a good life and try to take care of yourself. But I think to me, if you look at it at, for the outcome, I feel like, you know, I think it teaches you to like, you know, love people and, 
you know, do the best you can to help people and also to kind of look at your own life and say, okay, you know, I know I'm not going to be here forever, but what are some things that I can do to take care of this body, you know, that God has given me so that I could live as long as I can. I feel that some people don't look at it from that perspective, but I think that you can learn from other people's mistakes. Things happen, you know, but I think that sometimes it makes you really reflect on your own life and say, wow, you know, because I mean, there are a lot of stories that you hear, you know, because again, all death is not natural. You know, sometimes a good Lord calls somebody home 86, 95, but sometimes, you know, there's some tragic. A lot of people, you know, texting and driving. It just makes you more aware, you know, and it makes you want to be a little more cautious, you know. Going back to what you said before about one of the big regrets is that they should have been there or should have done this or that. So <laughs> for you, when you are working at a funeral home, it's always a reminder to yourself that you always have to live with purpose. Uh, so can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, sure. So to me, it's like, you know, because again, I'm a filmmaker outside of the funeral business. But to me, you know, living with purpose, just like I feel like we're meant to do more than just get up, go to work, live paycheck to paycheck, pay bills. Like life is meant to be lived. And, you know, I, I feel that like when you live with purpose, you start to really Look at life more realistically because, like, again, you got family, you got friends, you know, some people may have children, you know, people may have a significant other, wife's husband, spouse or whatever. But, you know, to me, you have to look at it like life is meant to be lived and you got to make every moment count. And I just feel like, you know, sometimes you don't want to just ever find yourself just working and working and working and working and working and not living, you know, because one other thing that happened to me was like I, I developed this. It's like a rare disorder called spasmatic dysphonia. And this is where purpose comes in. So spasmatic dysphonia, like I noticed like my voice, I'm going somewhere with it. Just stick with me. My voice started changing. And I was wondering like what was going on. So when I went like to the doctor, they didn't really know, but they was like, you know, it's nothing life threatening. So I started doing more research. And when I found out about spasmatic dysphonia, I found out that it was like this thing where like emotional base, you know, sometimes, um, some people have like a, a neurological, they I don't know what to call it, but they have like a, a, a neurological portion of it. And then some people have muscle tension, which is what I have. And to me, what a lot of people didn't notice was that my emotions and how I felt contributed to me developing it. So, you know, like to me, like I found myself just working and working and working. But then when I stopped and I started pursuing other passions, like now, you know, my voice will be better. So like, I feel like, you know, sometimes people don't realize it, but like, if you don't live with purpose, like, you know, if you don't do what you're created to do, I feel like things in your life will start happening just to let you know. That's a good point, right? Like, let's say you're doing something you don't really want to do, and then you start having like different problems uh, with your body and mind. It's your your mind and body telling you that, hey, this is not the path you need to take. You got to do something else. And then what tends to happen is people end up quitting jobs they don't like, and then they feel a lot they feel mentally and physically better. So it's, it's similar to your story in a way where you you are meant to do more. And the fact that you're just doing the same old thing and your body yeah. is uh, not feeling right, it's a sign for, it's basically a sign to tell you to do more with your life and live more uh, with purpose and pursue your dream. Yeah, and you know what? And, I, and see, I like Amex. I like the way you put that because when you think about it, right, most people... And I'm not going to say most people, but some people, majority of the time, you'll find somebody say, I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher, I do this and that. But like, I feel like to me, a lot of times people may let that one thing, and there's nothing wrong with it if it's just one. But to me, a lot of times when you're a person that finds multiple passion, 
Some people are like, wait a minute, slow down. You got to stick to one thing first. But to be truthful with you, that's not how things worked out for me. Because to be honest with you, while I was going to school to be a mortician, when I finished up, I want to say right after I finished school, we had we had these exit exams we had to take. And the funny thing about it was like, I was going out there like dedicated, like we had to do arts and science. So the arts portion is like the funeral director part of the test, like the arrangements, the law part, you know, dealing with the legalities of the business. And then the embalmer part is like the science part. So we had to take these two tests before we could even go sit for our national board exam. And I was going out there once I finished school and taking the test and I was failing and failing and failing. And I'm like, wait a minute now. So if this don't work out, God, I'm going to have to find something else to do. So I thought about plumbing because my family's in that business. I went out to Vegas work with my uncle. I said, no, that's not for me. So then I thought about like working in an animal hospital. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think that's for me either. But then I'm like, okay. Lord, maybe I'm going to go to film school. So I prayed about it and I went to film school. As soon as I went to film school, I passed the first test. Now, other people was like, focus on one thing, but it wasn't until I took the next step that the previous step worked out. And then once I finished film school and graduated, then I went back and passed the other part of the test. And I tell you what, and I kid you not, I had a dream like this years later that I, that I passed the science part. This was after I finished film school. I went back and took it and, and prayed and I passed it. So it's like me doing other things end up causing it to, you know, work out in, in God's time and in the right time. And so I'm like, you know, to me, I'm like, you know what? I wasn't just meant to do funerals and stuff like that. You know, it's like it's like God have other purposes for me, too. You know, so I'm glad that I didn't let other people, their thoughts about the situation prevent me from moving forward. So you graduated college the first time and then got into the funeral business and then you went back to school in filmmaking and you ended up doing well in that as well, right? Yeah. So that, so that's how I went. So I was in the funeral business and, you know, I was trying to finish up that. Then when I went to school, I made it out of school, but it took me a while to pass the test. So I'm like, I'm going to film school. Then I went to film school. Everything else worked out after I went to film school. <laughs> So what made you get into film? You were working in the funeral business. Obviously, some epiphany happened where you wanted to get into filmmaking and enroll into film school. And then that's when you had the uh, issues of people saying, oh, just do one thing at a time. Uh, so what was that epiphany? Uh, so to be honest with you, as a child, I, I was a very big like Walt Disney fan. I love cartoons. I love writing. I love film. I used to be the, the one in the family always with the video camera. And I always said that I was going to be a filmmaker. And when we was in high school, I remember we had a teacher named Ms. Jackson. She said, I want you all to write a plan for your life. What do you want to do? So I said, OK, I'm going to be a mortician. I'm going to be a funeral director and I'm going to be a film director. And when I was in high school, you know, I took some arts classes or whatever. But like I didn't take it as serious because I'm like, you know, as an artist, that's kind of hit and miss. You know, like, you know, there's a lot of we're all artists in our own way, but it's like not everybody's making a living for it. So I'm like, if I'm going to go to school then you know, I want to be, you know, kind of strategic about what I'm doing. So I chose the funeral business first. And, you know, and so from kind of going through a few roadblocks with that it kind of led me back to my first passion which is filmmaking being an artist once you graduated from film school what was your first film project how did that come about and how did you make that happen oh man now this is the funny part when i went to film school it's like i was like a track star i hit the ground running because again my experience in the funeral business like now this is where i was different when i got to film school 
I'm like, look here, I'm not waiting till I get out of school to make stuff. I'm gonna make it while I'm here. So as soon as I got to film school, I started like producing my own content right away because I'm like, time don't wait on nobody. So hey, I'm I'm making the most. We're paying for the school. We paid all this money to come. We got free equipment. Let's take advantage of man. <laughs> before I before I graduated out of film school, I already produced 14 shorts. Now, I ain't saying they were great, but they <laughs> I I was blessed enough to do it, you know, by the grace of God. So I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, going back to what you said about like filming the 14 shorts, uh, it's all like I know there's, there's this popular line on in terms of making YouTube videos where your first 100 videos are going to be bad. Uh, and then after that, you, you start to take off. Yeah, you know, a lot of people want that perfectionism as in uh, they do something new for the first time and they, and they want like astronomical results, but that's not always the case. There's going to be a lot of bad results before you get the good one. So I'm assuming for you, your first few uh, shorts weren't really that good, but then you've improved over time. And it's about the repetition yeah. that helps you get better. And you know what? But you know what? The one thing I'm grateful to God about when I went to film school is that it taught me the business side of it because a lot of times, like, you know, as a kid, right, when you have a dream, you only see what you see, but you don't always know the logistics of stuff. So when I went to film school, like I learned like, okay, I don't want to just be a director because I thought I wanted to be a director. But when I went to when I went to film school, I found out that I like producing better. And I, I worked on a project called The Future Last Forever. You can look it up. It turned out to be a really good film. It was about a girl who was, you know, who had a desire to go to college. And, you know, she was waiting on this letter. Very simple film. I like simplicity. And in the film, she was waiting to open up a letter to see if she got accepted to the school. She did get accepted, but like later her mom died and all that stuff of that nature. But the thing was, they may be the producer on that. So from me learning how to produce there, I kind of had an idea like, you know what? I like producing. And then while I was in film school, I was working on my own web series. I had an actor who didn't show up. So I had to pay everybody there anyway. So I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not going to just let this moment be wasted. So I stepped in and I started doing the part. So I started acting too. Now, I don't consider myself to be an actor, but I wasn't going to let my film just go down. So I stepped in, I started doing the part. And I've been doing it ever since. So I started learning to produce and act a little bit too. So I think that was fun because it's like sometimes, you know, you know what you want to do, but until you actually step out and get moving, you know, you find what works for you and you find what you enjoy most about it, you know. But if you don't take that first step, you don't ever know. So how long have you been filmmaking? It's been five years professionally now and I love it. Another thing when it comes to someone starting a, a hobby, a project, a new skill, they, they want the uh, best tools to trade to start off. Right? But that, that's obviously not always the case. What's your opinion in terms of like skill set? and equipment uh to be honest with you i think if you have a good skill set you can probably make any equipment work because to me as an artist right to me art is all interpretation based like it's really kind of like no right or wrong because it's just like say for instance like you and me can get together and we plan a movie you know you write the script you have me directed or i write the script i have you directed we can come up with the with a storyline just about a, a simple story log line a man pursues his dream because you know like the log lines are like 25 words or less were like you know it's like when you want to pitch a film to somebody you just you don't mention characters names or nothing like that you just write a general statement and kind of be right to the point but if you direct it and i write it it's the same story but it's a different film 
But if we if we switch roles up, you know, same storyline, but it still is going to come out to be a different story. So it's all perspective. And to me, sometimes you don't have to have the greatest equipment starting out, but if you got a good storyline and you kind of find a way to make it work, you'll be surprised. Because sometimes you don't have to have the, like, the best equipment. I mean, of course, everybody wants it, but some people, you know, have the best equipment, but not the best story. You know, and then so it's like it's like it, it kind of both works together. But, you know, to me, just you try to make what you have work. Because I mean, it's it like because, again, if, if you edit things and take simple things and just add a little flavor to it, you'll be surprised. What you can. Going back to the how your friends were saying, oh, do only concentrate on one thing at a time. How have you been able to juggle both uh, a full time job as a mortician and doing filmmaking at the same time? Well, what I learned, one thing was a word called optimize. And a lot of people don't, you know, really think about it, but, you know, some people do. But when you think about the word optimize, right, you got to learn to get the most out of whatever it is you do. So I thought about it, like, you know what? I'm in the funeral business. I don't want to spend so much time just burying people to where I'm not spending time enjoying my life. So I had to set up, I had to set boundaries. And I learned that when you set boundaries and you start to manage your time, kind of like, like how people budget their money and stuff. You got to learn to budget your time too. Like, am I spending too much time over here? I need to make sure that my health is good and that I'm doing the things that I enjoy too, because if you are no good to yourself, you ain't no good to nobody else. So, you know, taking care of yourself and making sure that you're doing things that you also enjoy too is important because if not, you'll find yourself getting burned out. So what I learned to do was to create a balance, you know, even with filmmaking, because like I, I fund my own project. So, you know, especially thank God for my wife. She kind of helps me budget everything too. But it's like, you know, if you set, if you set goals for yourself and learn to optimize your time and don't overwhelm yourself, but, you know, find a way to make what you're trying to do work. Cause again, you know, we don't, no, I mean, things are not perfect. If you find a way to make the beauty out of whatever it is you got, you know, you'll be surprised. Sometimes, you don't. again, you don't have to have like the best stuff. But if you have a good idea and it works, you find a way to make it work. And I think that's the fun because even when you work on these bigger projects, you will learn that a lot of times everybody don't have it all. I mean, it, it's a lot of things go wrong on bigger sets with a lot of more money. It's all just troubleshooting. In terms of your filmmaking, uh, what genre are you currently making films or shorts in? And what made you decide to focus on that genre? Believe it or not, love, um, romantic, things like that. I mean, I'm more of a comedy guy. I love watching comedy. I love to laugh. But as far as filmmaking for me, I feel like romance is always relatable. I mean, whether you're talking about the joy of it or the heartbreaks, you know, I I think that it's something that's kind of universal. So to me, I like talking about it because like, I'm really big on love and like, I don't just use love as a term, like just romantically. Like, I feel like, you know, in the world we live in, like, you know, I feel like a lot of, uh, it's not everybody, but some people lack love. Like you look at all the things going on in the world, right? It all stems really from a lack of love. And if people have more love in their heart for one another, you know, I think we could get along a lot better. You know, not everybody may not agree about everything. And that's fine because we're human. We all have different perspectives, but love and respect works together. So I'm I'm a very big advocate for showing love to my brothers and sisters, no matter who they are, you know, what they look like or where they come from. It, it, it's all love, man. And so to me, it's something that I think about a lot. So a lot of times when I write, that's always kind of like my perspective on it. I'm always, you know, trying to encourage people just to have more love in their heart, you know.
Absolutely. And moving on to the uh, next part, right? So you're a mortician, you're a filmmaker. And as we talked at the very beginning of this conversation, hey, you also have pro wrestling training. So how did that come about as your next passion? So I'm like, once I finished up film school, I took this course on like, well, this was before on documentary. So I'm like, you know what? I grew up watching wrestling. I love The Undertaker and Kane and uh, Kane and Road Dogg and Carlito were my favorite three. But I'm like, you know what? I want to do a documentary on professional wrestling because I knew that like there's a as well a lot of people may not know like pro wrestling on the indie scene is kind of really big in a lot of states you know a lot of people may be surprised but like in Chicago there's a lot of events and I didn't even know about these events but I reached out to Steve Boz and I'm like hey I want to make a documentary about this and he invited me to come up to CSW to the school or whatever and I met everybody I met like Sky Blue she's an AEW I met Axel Rico pretty young wrestling big fan guy um, pretty talented kid and then I met Levi pretty cool guy I don't know I just always use the word everybody's pretty good at what they do but I met a lot of pretty cool people man and I enjoyed it. And really, like, to be honest with you, Steve, he showed me around and he's like, um, you know, well, when are you going to start training? I'm like, yeah, I start next week. So me and a friend of mine named Jalen, we started, you know, going to training and stuff. But I mean, it was like to me. I came there with the purpose of making the documentary. I didn't really come to, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if, you know, if I want to take it a little further, you know, the door is open for that too. But I'm like, you know, me, I'm pretty purpose driven. So like, I'm like, I came here to make a documentary. But I ended up training too. So like, but my thing is like this. Sometimes when you're doing one thing, you know, just stepping out on faith, it can lead to other big things happening. Because like when we started getting involved with CSW, we started meeting people we used to watch on TV. Like, we you know, we got the chance to meet Carlito. Mr. Kennedy came to our promotion. I found out that, you know, one of WWE talented Mexican wrestlers, uh, Kalisto, I didn't even know he was from Chicago, you know, but I started meeting so many people. And like, you know, I got a chance to meet Scotty Tuhati. I met Eugene from WWE. And it's like, wow, like we're meeting all these cool people and and to me, even just the fans and getting to know people and like, you know, I, I saw that like going there, it was like so many people like doing big things. Like I said, the young man, Axel Rico that I mentioned, my good friend Levi, um, he's very big pro wrestling manager in Chicago, doing great things. My friend, John Lopez, I mean, he's he, he's getting down in the ring too. So it's like, you know, I met so many cool people now. To be honest with you, like I said, I, I didn't really see that coming. But one thing about me, if a door opens, man, I'm going to run through it. <laughs> yeah so you were gonna start training next week what made you just say yes like just like that like usually people have to think about it if something completely new to them maybe they don't want to get hurt but you just jumped on board and said i'll start next week when i was young me and some friend of mine we used to wrestle in the yard and then i wrestled in high school but me my brother my friend jordan my friend cross and garage and gus man i mean you know we thought we were brock lesnar something about that man we would we would f5 each other you know put the moves on each other <laughs> You know, we had like a little Royal Rumble and stuff like that. So wrestling was like in my blood. So I'm like, you know, when he said it, I'm like, I'm willing to try this out. But if I do it, I would rather only be a manager because, you know, a lot of them guys are big. I'm I'm much smaller than them. So I'm like, you know, being realistic, like I ain't trying to go out there and break my back, you know, because, you know, being because when you're dealing with pro wrestling, man, a lot of people got bad backs and bad legs. <laughs> I need my back and legs, so I'm like, you know, I can stick to managing, but I'm not trying to. <laughs>
I'm still a big wrestling fan, but I was a lot bigger uh, when I was younger. And obviously, like the biggest insult, so to speak, is people think that wrestling's fake, right? Obviously, it's not. It's not fake. It's scripted. That's the right word uh, because they still have to. Like trust their body with somebody else, whether it's like power slam, like DDT, throwing them through a table, things of that nature. I'm going to answer it like most uh, fellow colleagues in the industry, but it's entertainment, you know? And I think that that's the best way because it's, because to be honest with you, wrestling is, is storytelling, right? I mean, they're not just in the ring, just, you know, throwing each other around for nothing. It tells a story. You know, and, and, I, and I think that's the thing, because, again, think about WWE growing up, right? They would have storylines, right? The Rock versus Stone Cold, Steve Austin, or, you know, Vince McMahon. And, you know, he's the horrible boss to work for, you know, I mean. And I, and so, like, when you look at it like that, it's like, it's fun, you know. And it's, it's a lot of cool people there, you know. It's, it's, it's some cool people, and then there's some, it's, you know, not so. But, I mean, for the most part, I think that it's it's just nice to connect with people, man. And, I mean, it's, it's like when you're in there and you see, like, the fans and, I learned that, like, being a part of the independent scene, you'll find out, man, there's a lot of up-and-coming people. You know, like, I remember when I first started, there was a young lady named Bombshell Shelly. She's doing awesome right now. And I'm just thinking about, like, to when we first started training, right? Like, we were training, she was training. And if you look up now, man, she's traveling the world wrestling. You know, I think that's a pretty cool thing. Like, one thing about me, I'm always happy for other people. Like, I'm I'm happy to see other people doing what they love. And, you know, even if people career take off much further than you would go, right? I'm like, hey, put like this, everybody's purpose is different. Everybody, you know, destination and goals are different. But, hey, if somebody winning, hey, I'm going to root for them, you know, and if they if they struggling, I'm going to try to help them out if I can, you know? Yeah, for sure. So what's next for you in pro wrestling business? I'm going back to it, man. Oh, in one way or another, right now, I'm currently working on a pro wrestling documentary because, again, that was what I came for. So I got one interview done with a really talented wrestling, pretty cool guy, friend of mine, Vinny down in Tennessee, old school wrestlers, been in the business a long time. We know he uh, was open to me, you know, interviewing him for a documentary. So me, Vinny, some of the other talented wrestlers I know, I'm going to interview them and be on the lookout soon. I got a pro wrestling documentary coming out. You know, I'll talk a little bit about my experience in it too, but you know, I want to be able to just tell all of my story. You know, they've been doing it a lot longer than me and they've been, you know, pursuing it a lot heavier than me. So I'm, I wanted them to kind of tell the story. So the main theme of your story so far of your life slash career is you didn't just stick with one thing. A lot of people who worked a nine to five job, they end up just doing the usual things after work, whether it's uh, go home and watch TV and uh, eat dinner. Some may go to the gym, do their standard social commitments, but they don't really like get out there and try and continue a hobby that they're interested in. Uh, yeah. For you, like you're doing your funeral career, but then you also do a lot of filmmaking on the side, which results in like you creating these stories. And you're also meeting a lot of people in the process, which obviously makes you more interesting and more well-rounded. So what makes you continue to strive for more and not just settle for just doing the funeral job and then just relaxing after work? Hey, you know what? That's really an awesome question. And I'm glad you asked. Thanks, Max. You know what? To be real with you, what I love about it is that it's so many opportunities, right? And I, and I look at life like this, like as long as we're here, we're still living, we're learning and we're growing. And to me, I feel like, you know, it's a good thing when you have options. You know, sometimes some people say like, you know, I don't have any options, but I feel like when you have options, possibilities are endless. Because if you think about it, right, to me, I love filmmaking. I, you know, I'm in the funeral business. I wouldn't have been doing it so long if I didn't like the work. But I learned that 
whatever you do, you find the part of it that you like. Because like, think about it, like a lot of people that want to become filmmakers, most of the time people are like, man, I want to be famous. I want to be well known. I want to be this and that. But when you think about it, if you're doing what you love and you can make a little money doing it, if if you don't become famous doing it, you still won. Because like to me, it's not the fame and none of that. It's the fact that you're doing what you love. There's a lot of people who worked in the film industry for years, worked on really big projects. I mean, I got a cousin now who's acting on power and doing some pretty big things. But what I learned about the film industry is that not everybody that's in the industry is well known. There are some people who you might be riding on the bus and train right next to working on projects. You may not know who they are, but I mean, my thing is that if they're doing what they love and they're making a little money doing, ain't nothing wrong with that. We, I feel like we have this image where you have to be big in this way or little in this way, but if you think about it, it's not about that. It's about you living your life, living your purpose. And finding what you're meant to do because the same thing with pro wrestling, right? I've been hanging around pro wrestling for, I think it's almost been going on three years now. But for the most part, you know, I'm not as active in it as some of the other people. But this is the thing. When I got into it, I didn't really know what I wanted. But from me seeing what is done and seeing how things go, I'm like, okay, uh, I may not want to do it this way, but... I got an option to do it that way. Because again, you know, there's some people in it. Like I said, when I started, um, Bombshell, Shelly and Michael, shout out to Gonzo. They started with us. You know, we started with them. And see, their career have really taken off. As opposed to me, like, you know, I didn't come there to just focus on that. Like, I don't care nothing about being well known with it. I'm just grateful to God that I had an opportunity to experience it. And if I want to go further with it, I'm glad that I got the option. And so to me, it's like, it's kind of fun that way because a lot of times when people look at it and be like, man, I want to be like The Rock or I want to do this and that. But then you got to think about it. There are a lot of people who was in that industry that you never heard of. Now, it doesn't mean that they were any more or less successful. Sometimes some people do it as a hobby. Some people do it as a full-time job. Some people do it for the love. But I think to me, when you find what you want from it, you go after it. And so to me, what I like about pro wrestling is the connections that I I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. It was nice training and meeting everybody. But to me, you know, if I didn't have the connections, I wouldn't be able to do my documentary. I still got the options to, you know, go back to it or whatever. But to me, it's like kind of focusing on other things and stuff like that, too. So I, me personally, I'm not trying to like, you know, just be build that one thing there. I like having the liberty to kind of do my own thing. And I feel like the one thing that I learned about working in a funeral business that I carry to every industry is this. Always use your time wisely. You can't let other people make plans for you. You have to know what you want. And if you don't know what you want, somebody just tell you you should do this. But if you know what you want from something, you go after it and you're satisfied. When you let other people tell you what you want, it's like, I don't know if this is what I really want to do. So I think it's just the fact that you have to kind of know what direction you want. Because again, like I said, I know filmmakers that have worked on projects and big projects and been doing it for years. Everybody may not know who they are, but hey, some of them don't want to be known. They just want to they want to do what they love, earn a little money, and stay out of the way. They don't want to go in the grocery store and people taking pictures of them and all that. You know, that's not, you know, so to me, it just depends on what you want. From. There's a saying that goes, uh, what could you do if you could not fail? The way to spin it based on what you're saying is like, what would you be interested in doing if you failed? constantly but you still do it anyway because you like it right that that's, yeah. that's a phrase people should focus on is like if you failed doing it would you still want to do it 
And that's the mindset to be going into. Not what would you want to do if you did not fail? Because at that point, it's more about because you're still looking for an extrinsic reward by thinking about it that way compared to if you said to yourself, if there's something here that I want to do, but I'm going to fail at it a lot, would I still want to do it even if I'm failing at it? And then that whether you'll know if that's what you want to do. I uh, love it. In the future, right? Because a lot of times, like again, you know, you see people and the first thing people say is, oh, you know, you want to be a big starter, but no, no, everybody don't want that. Like I know lots of actors. I know lots of filmmakers and they're successful. Everybody's, everybody's just not trying to necessarily have that name and lights they just want to live their dream and so to me you know it just depends on what you want and i feel that the thing about it is that if you know what you want you go after it don't let other people tell you you should do it like this that because again like i said with pro wrestling i met a lot of cool people i'm still connected i haven't really been you know going like i used to because i learned what i'm to learn from it now i'm not saying i'm done learning but to me i kind of found what i'm interested in doing and i'm not gonna let anybody tell me to do anything else you know when you know what you want you go for it because it's your life, it's your time, it's your purpose. So to wrap up our conversation today, Wade, for someone listening right now who is stuck in the rut, what would you say to them in terms of starting to live their life with more purpose and uh, fulfillment? I would say the first thing you do is sit and think and clear your mind and think about what you really want because, you know, you, you got to really sit and think because sometimes, you know, we consume with social media and all that, but sometimes you got to just sit there and think. Don't think about what nobody else got going. What do I want? And then you find a way to get it. One thing, one thing that motivates me is watching nature, right? If you look at a lot of the creatures, like the animals, lions, hyenas, or crocodiles or whatever, always say, I mean, maybe that's not the best analogy, but whenever they're hungry for something, they set their eyes on it and they go after it. And so I think that, you know, being a human being, you know, sometimes you have to really sit and think about your life. I'm this age. I want to do this and that. I don't. Okay. First step is just to think about it. And then the next step, you got to find out how to make your goal reach because all our dreams are reachable. But we have to find a way to help them to come to us. Because again, nothing's just going to fall out the sky and come to you. But if you sit and think, okay, because think about it with pro wrestling, right? I would figure like, okay, most people would be like, man, I want to be like John Cena. And it seems like it's impossible. But you know what? All you got to do is find a local wrestling promotion because somebody in that local promotion has connections to WWE and AEW and all these promotions. You go there, you meet people, give it a shot, see what happens. You know, you, you want to be a filmmaker? Some people, hey, look, I went to school, but not everybody goes to school. You don't necessarily have to go to school. You go look on YouTube, you find, get you a camera, whatever, start making films, start connecting with other filmmakers. A, a lot of things is just like, dreams are not impossible. You just got to find a way to make it within reach, you know? Because again, don't worry about how high somebody else is reaching. If you want to climb that high, you got to bring it down to your level. Chop it down like a giant, you know? And, and when you chop it down, it's not impossible. Exactly. It's not about making a big jump. It's about making little small steps that compound into that big jump. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to quickly mention was a lot of people live lives based off trying to get approval of others. So they're not really living the life that they want, right? So for you, for the filmmaking, if you listen to your friends or family say, hey, just do one thing at a time, just stick with the funeral thing and get really good at it, you would have not discovered that this passion for filmmaking that helped you lead into the pro wrestling world as well, right? So just by being proactive and opening your horizons for opportunities makes you more of a well-rounded person. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you put that because again, you know what? You don't never know what will happen if you don't take the first step. 100%.
again, wait, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with me on my podcast and just telling everybody about your main message of living a life with purpose and going after your dream. So for someone who wants to know more about your story, how can they reach out to you? So you can reach me on Facebook, Wade Simmons. You can reach me on Instagram, WadeJedi99. I'm a big Star Wars fan today. You can check out my work on Vimeo, Wave Filmmaker 777. Vimeo, hey, reach out. You know, I'm not too big to, you know, answer any questions. I'll be more than happy to talk. I'll talk your ear off. <laughs> All right. Again, I appreciate the time, Wade. All right. Thanks, Max. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.